You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to episode 23 of Three Geeky Ladies. I'm Elisa Paselli, and finally with me today are my other two geeky ladies, Suze Gilbert. Hi, everyone. And Vicki Stokes. Hello. I'm so glad the three of us are finally together again. It's been too long. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but it's not just the three of us today. Today we wanted to talk about iDevices with um, children's apps. How do you lock down your iDevices when you're giving them to your children? Some appropriate apps and books for kids. Uh, with everything that's going on in the news about kids making in-app purchases unauthorized with parents not knowing that they did it and parents not knowing how to lock down their devices, we thought it would be an appropriate topic. But since none of us have young children, we invited a guest uh, someone who does have a young child, and please welcome to the podcast, the host of Pocket Size Podcast, Scott Wilsey. Thank you. I'm Scott, and I'm eminently qualified by virtue of the fact that I have a small child. <laughs> eminently qualified, yes. Expert. Our kids are too old to worry about locking down. <laughs> so, so, Scott, how do you lock down your iPad for your daughter to use? Well, okay, my daughter has... We've given my daughter her own iPhone 3GS, which doesn't have iPhone service, so it's more appropriately titled an iPod 3GS. She has that. That was a hand-me-down when we upgraded from the 3GS to the 4Ss. Then we also have an iPad, which I guess is mainly mine. I've attempted to make it a family device, but my wife refuses to accept that it's a family device, and she says, no, it's yours. So I said, okay. But my daughter uses it. She's happy to take it from me anytime I Anytime I grab it and I start using it, she, re- she remembers it's there and she wants to use it. So with that, with the iPad, I've actually more taken the approach of, because it's also my, de- my device, and I'll, I'll kind of get into why this is a pain uh, a little bit later with the parental controls topic, but I've, I've gotten more into the approach with that of I'm just monitoring her and watching what she's doing. And usually it's something interesting anyway, so I don't mind hanging out with her and, and you know, just doing whatever. So I don't really use parental controls on that. Where I do use them, where I do use the iOS restrictions are on her iPhone 3GS. We have them enabled on that. So I see both sides of of the usage and and what happens when you enable them and what happens when you don't. And there's some definite limitations to them, which are the reason I don't use them on the iPad that we can talk about. So you lock down her iPod touch basically because she uses that on her own whereas her ipad she's with you that's right and to be honest the main reason is not so much that it's just that she's with me although she she is when she uses the ipad it's because it's a pain to do when you here's the main deficiency of of restrictions right now and they're they're not completely well baked out they're not completely as thought out as apple should have done in many ways but the worst one that i see is when you enable them, you set up a passcode, and then you go in and you make your choices. What do I want to have enabled? For example, you go in here and uh, you see things like, like if I go in here to restrictions, you get options for do I want to have Safari browsing on? Do I want to have camera on? Do I want to have FaceTime on? Do I want to have iTunes on? Bookstore? 
installing apps, deleting apps. And then there's other things you can do, like set up your ratings for music and podcasts and movies and TV shows. And that's a whole other can of worms because those don't always work out the way you'd want them to as far as what they can access. Then you can say, do I want in-app purchases to be allowed? And if so, how fast, you know, how long before the password's required for that? And you can set that to immediately or 15 minutes. Well, what happens is I don't want those restrictions, obviously. I don't want to, I, I have a different use mode for my iPad than, than I want my daughter to have because I'm a grown adult and it's my iPad. And, uh, and there you go. That's why I grew up. So I want to disable those. The problem is when you disable them and then you re-enable them to hand the device off to the child again, guess what? You have to go through and re- reconfigure every single one of those settings that you, you configured. It does not remember them. It just dumps them. So really having restrictions on there for a device that you're going to move back and forth and disable it for your use and re-enable it for their use, it's a major pain. Because all it takes is for you is to miss one setting and all of a sudden they're doing something that you didn't want them to do. And it's just time-consuming. And, you know, quite frankly, it's, it's kind of silly. Now, there's been a huge debate on the Internet about how much is, is, per, is the parent's uh, responsibility and how much is Apple's responsibility. And I'm not a person that thinks that Apple or the schools or anybody besides me should be raising my child. I understand that. But if Apple's going to put restrictions in here, I assume they want them to be used and I assume they want them to be useful. And they're failing in that regard. Also, you can't be with your kids all the time. And not only that, but you want your kids to have some level of independence. I don't want my daughter to feel like the only time she's ever capable of doing anything is when dad's around. That's a wrong message to send a child. And, okay, so for people who think that, well, it's the parent's job, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's great. But any real parent knows that at some point they need to hand stuff off to the kids. But they, want, they do want to have control. And so I feel like, you know, the restrictions are a good idea. They have some serious limitations in how they're implemented that make them not as useful as they should be. Now, seeing as I've never had to use the restrictions, if I were to set this up, is it, do I put a password in so that when I hand it off to my child, my child can't go in and change everything unless they know the password? Yeah, when you go in and you enable restrictions, you go into general, you go into restrictions, and then you can en- enable it. When you enable it, it pops up a passcode, you know, keyboards for you to enter a passcode and you enter that twice and now your passcode is set for you to disable it or for you to change any of the configuration settings within restrictions you have to use that passcode it's too bad scott they don't have maybe up to like two or three different type of um restriction accounts so say for instance if you know, so it's age appropriate because there's some things that you might allow an older child that wants to use the iPad, um, you know, to use that you wouldn't necessarily have some, you know, child that's under, you know, four use. It'd be, it'd be nice if maybe they had like a, you know, two or three types of, uh, you know, little small accounts within settings that you could have different restrictions for. Yeah, and I guess if they were going to go down that road, at some point, they would have to decide whether or not they want to do multi-user iOS, like multi, right. like you log into your iOS. Right. Yeah, so that that is definitely something that some people want, and Apple has never delivered. And there's probably complexities to that. How much more memory does it take up? How that's true. You know, obviously, it would take um, 
time for them to do because it's not in the operating system now. They would, I imagine that's something that would take quite a bit of work to implement into iOS. So, yeah, it's definitely something that I can see a good use for, and it's definitely something that I can see Apple dragging their feet forever and probably never delivering on. Well, either that or like what you said before is remembering. So you know, somehow when you uh, that would be huge. When you take the restriction off to go back for you, for you to use, if it asked you something like, would you like us to remember these settings for the future? Or, you know, calling it, I don't know, settings one or whatever it was called so that you go, yeah. And then next time your daughter's using the iPad, you can just go settings one, boom. Yeah. And those settings are never used unless restrictions are on. So all they have to do is keep their state and then just ignore them, right? And, you know, why can't they do that? Because there's other settings in iOS and where you go in and you make a setting, but if you turn that thing off, guess what? You go back in and you turn it back on and your settings are still remembered. Why right, can't like they do, do that here? Disturb. I'm looking at do not disturb right Exactly. Now. Why when can't they do that, that here? turn that back on, it goes back to the time I had it set for on and off. That's right. And they should just be able to do that here. The software right. should check the master switch. Is it enabled? If it is enabled, okay, now I'm going to go down and look at those individual settings. If it's not enabled, it doesn't matter what state they're set to. Just ignore them. They could do that. It seems like an easy low-hanging fruit. And, you know, that's something, <laughs> there was a conversation on The Loop about this. They, I, I think they were referencing this lawsuit about in-app purchases. And I'll just go ahead and say it because I thought it was so ridiculous. Somebody was saying, you know, complaining about the state of the parental controls, the restrictions, and, and Sean King of The Loop, his answer was, well, that's up to parents and it, it'll, it would cost a lot less for you to buy your kid a second iPad than it would be for Apple to retool their operating system. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's not the, why should I have to buy another iPad because Apple didn't fully bake their restrictions, which they have. They're in here. Why can't they just make them work right and I don't have to buy another iPad? And trust me, Apple has more money than I do and oh, it's their operating system. So maybe it's their job to get it right. Just thinking out loud, but. The thing is, is we're able to have, you know, I, I have what, like seven different email accounts. So if you treated it like an email account, so you have, you know, maybe, say, for instance, you know, one name of your child for one account and then another one. You know, the thing is, is if an iPad is a family device, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's Apple would love if everybody in the family had their own iPad, but that financially that's not feasible for many families. So, you know, if they right. have a basically exactly. a family iPad and people are basically using more you know, iPad and the apps versus, you know, the family computer, because, of course, this is more portable, then I think it would only um, behoove Apple to say, okay, you know what, we'll do different, uh, for the restrictions, we'll have a, like, you know, email accounts, we'll have different accounts for each child, and the parents can select what they want. Because in-app purchases, you know, when that kid ran up $2,700, at least, and I talked about this in the last, last podcast, I think developers are going a little crazy on the in-app purchases, especially with games. You know, Lisa was saying, you know, some of the games, like, you know, to save time, you know, for 99 cents, you can have, you know, fill up your life meter or something. And I think, I, you know, I really think Apple needs to start uh, coming down on these developers because, number one, like I said in the last podcast, there's no really good way to report a scam app to Apple. You know, there's that lack of communication. There's um, in-app purchases. I mean, I have no problem uh, purchasing an in-app purchase for a really good app. But I do think, you know, when you're being nickeled and dimed to death, I just think it's getting out of hand. It's getting really greedy. 
The problem is, I agree with you. The problem is, um, Apple would suddenly have to be the arbiter of what is in good taste and what's not with regard to in-app purchases. And then they would start having to regulate. Now, granted, they determine what goes in the App Store and what doesn't. But they would also have to start regulating how a developer makes a living. And since they're not providing trial apps, in-app purchases become a way the developers can say, well, nobody's going to try my app if it's $10. But if I make it free or $0.99, and then they have to upgrade to these features, just like brushes is one, right? And um, is it- well, it's not brushes. It's uh, paper. That's the one I meant, paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to buy brushes in paper. But anyway, <laughs> but that works because people try it, they like it, and they say, you know what, this is a beautifully done app, and if only I had those other tools, I could really do a lot with this. I, there is a place for it. Where I really despise in-app purchases, and especially advertising, is in apps clearly designed for small children. Mm-hmm. Because you know, and the developer has to know, especially if these people have kids, you're going to give the device to the child and you're going to do your thing. You might be sitting right beside them, but unless you're staring at that screen all the time, if they're a small enough child, when the ad pops up or it wants them to buy something in order to continue, they're just going to get confused. If they're a little bit older, they're going to possibly you know, zoom off to some advertiser's webpage or they're going to try to purchase something. And it's up to you to have in-app purchases disabled, which is fine. The, the thing that a lot of people are forgetting with regard to this lawsuit is initially um, initially it wasn't possible for for people to stop. I think it wasn't possible for them to disable that or there, there was a wider window where the password wasn't necessary, something like that. Anyway, they've changed that. But it's just that kids get hounded by this stuff and they should not. Okay, granted, I understand these people want to make the living and they want to in-app purchases and all that, but look – to me, if your model is I need in-app purchases to make a living on this app, maybe don't aim it at small children. Sorry, but you're aiming at the wrong people. These are little people. They want to get in the game. They don't want to get confused by stuff. They don't want to click on something that does something completely unexpected. And the parents definitely don't want it. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, those are the ones that get deleted immediately from me because I just have no, you know, I, I have no hesitation whatsoever to say, I, I don't care. It's out of here. You, you people are gone. Get off my device. Well, a lot of kids don't understand the concept of money, too. Well, exactly. They don't understand. I remember when my kids were little, you know, before the pre-iPad days, you know, if they said something like, can you take us out for ice cream? And I'd say, no, I don't have the money. And they'd say, oh, just use your credit card. Exactly. Go to the bank. They didn't understand. And I'd have to say to them, but if I put it on my credit card, the bill comes in and then I have have the money to pay for that, for that ice cream that I just bought you on my credit card. And they didn't understand that, you know... The concept of money is ultimately what you use to pay for things, whether I write a check or whether I write um, use my credit card. Yeah. So these kids don't understand if I hit yes, oh, it's ninety nine cents. They don't understand that someone has to pay that ninety nine cents. But, I, yeah. but let me let me interrupt. I thought you had to enter your password before you could uh, be charged for this thing. So there well, there's some apps that are not follow, uh, following that. That um. No no no. That child that did it. The parents thought he was playing a game and they they had a party Elisa uh excuse me Vicky and they gave him their password oh. so he used that and he racked up like it was in England and he wrapped up wrapped up like i don't know 1500 pounds in like 20 minutes 
Oh, see, and you should never give your kid a password. That's failure one right there. <laughs> and plus, if your password is says keep it on, remember it for the next 15 minutes, you just hit buy, yeah. buy, buy. Yeah, buy, so buy. if you – that's a scenario that could happen. Think about it. If you buy an app for your kid and then you immediately hand them the device. I've done this. Now, I've never had it bite me because I'm careful about my in-app purchases, but – you buy the game, you have to do, use your password to buy the game. Now you hand it over, and if there's in-app purchases in that game, they could, within that 15 minutes, very easily explore around enough to encounter that and make some purchases. So yeah. you want to make sure that it's set to trigger that password immediately, but you have to know it's there. And let's be fair, how many people fully know all of their iOS settings and, and understand what they do? And I saw some comments on, on the loop again <laughs> where they kind of were saying, well, these people need to know what they're doing. That's great. But hasn't Apple always been the one that we say, this is so easy to use and so straightforward, you don't have to be a computer genius? And now all of a sudden, oh, you do have to be a computer genius and know everything about it. Well, which is it? You can't have both. Either make it so people don't have to be geniuses and they can figure it out, or don't bash them when they get it wrong. You know, pick one. Well, I agree. But, you know, Scott, getting back to the in-app purchases, you know, I don't have a problem with that. What ticks me off about some of these developers is they, they put out subpar apps and they, you know, many times they don't offer like a light version. They'll just have ads or something or they'll have a low res app. My big beef is with Apple is I just think they, don't, they should no longer put low res photo apps in the app store. But, you know, when you have getting back to a children's app. Drawing with Carl was an app. Now, I, all my children have grown, and, of course, I'm always looking at art apps. So I looked at that app, and I downloaded it. That is a beautiful app. I'll tell you, if I had grandchildren or kids around, that is just a fabulous app. It's free to download, but the they have, I mean, it's fully functional. That's what I love about it. It's a fully functional app, but if you want something, if you want, like, the Jurassic pack or you want another little pack, it's a dollar. That's not going to bust anybody's bank. But like Elisa was alluding to is these games that, you know, you it's, it's just greedy. You know, the tokens that you have to get more tokens and those can add up. That's why I stopped using Smool. Do you remember Smool, the um, the uh, piano game that they had? I really uh-huh. like that app. Well, of course, I can't play the piano, but it made me feel like I could play the, play the piano. Well, they started having, you know, all these great songs and, you know, you could buy them you could buy the the smool that's their mon- monetary uh currency and you know it would just get really expensive well i think they heard so much backlash that they allowed you to like watch videos you know of course for their advertisers but you'd get so much currency if you watched a, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah so so you know that's a payoff now that's something that if i had a child i don't think i would mind yeah. that because it's free yeah. you know so yeah they have to watch a little a little movie as long as it's an age appropriate you know but i think apple has been really good as far as the controls as far as uh you know content i know there's sometimes i'll be downloading an update and up will pop a uh, little window that says you know age restricted content i'm thinking this app has age restricted content really I, I i don't know where it's coming from i don't know what tag that it has but it's popping up yeah, I've gotten that too. <clears throat> but I love drawing with Carl. I, I, I think that's a, just a wonderful. For those of you that have kids that haven't used it, it even as an adult, it's just really fun. It's just a great app, great drawing app. I need to we'll have, have to some grandchildren. <laughs> no pressure I need to there. borrow kids. 
Oh, there's times I would love to send you my daughter for a little while. <laughs> but I'll have to you look up. You weren't on the other side of the country, Scott. I, I would uh, be glad to take her. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have all boys. Oh, cool. This drawing with Carl. She she yeah. would like this. Because this character, this little guy on the front, there's another game that that has a character that looks just like this. And she liked that. So she might like this. But they have a symmetrical tool in this app that when you draw with it, it's, it's you know a mirror image. And you can get That's, some really cool effects with that. I've actually used it for backgrounds for other things. It's hmm. it's a it's a little sophisticated app. It's it's great for kids, but you know, adults, it's not that bad either. Well, you just made me spend ninety nine cents, and it's kind of like an in app purchase. I really didn't have any control over it. It just kind of happened. <laughs> it's worth it though. It's a nice it's little a, app. It's cute. Yeah, it is. It really is a nice app. But you know, they have patterns and stuff in there, so it's really nice for backgrounds. And I mean, you can do a lot with this app, not just drawing. So cool thing. Yeah, put a little mouse on it. It's almost like Mr. Potato Head there. <laughs> oh, I love Mr. Potato Head. I did too. <laughs> I did too. Actually, I still have it. <laughs> she plays with it on a regular basis, too. <laughs> when, when my youngest son moved out, he was going to throw it away. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and I put him together, and he's sitting on a table. Okay. I had Mrs. Potato Head. Did you have Mrs. Potato Head, too? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. I had Mr. Potato Head and Barrel Full of Monkeys and all those oh, yeah, uh, barrel full of monkeys. Pre, pre-technology toys. We show you guys, how old we are. You guys Pick do whatever you want. I'm not making any embarrassing confessions on this. <laughs> you know what I loved was that. Do you remember the um, uh, ad- advertisement on with Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head driving the car, and uh, he her mouth flew off. She was nagging him. Did you ever see that on TV? <laughs> no. It was hysterical. It was for a tire commercial, and they're in this convertible, and they're Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, and they're going up. Uh, they're all animated. They're going up this uh, mountain, and she's just nagging, nagging, nagging. And they hit a corner, and the wind, her mouth flew off down the, the hillside. And he, he had a great big grin on his face. It was great. <laughs> no, the only thing I saw like that was on Toy Story. Uh, no, I thought it was. When, when Mr. Potato Head took his eye off his face and then put it under the bed so he could look for something. <laughs> oh, no, no, this was it. This was, I, it was for like Bridgestone or something. I can't remember. Oh. I'm sure it's on YouTube. <laughs> No. That's See, funny. people, there were times before the iPad, before <laughs> technology. We had to use our imagination. Yeah, we had to play with actual <laughs> physical toys. What spooky time. I keep telling my daughter I didn't have a computer until I was in college. Uh, well, no, that's not true. I had a computer, but we didn't have the Internet and, and all that until I was in college. And she just looks at me like I'm from another planet. Oh, yeah. yeah. My youngest son my youngest son used to ask me, because we used to watch VHS. We used to watch videos all the time. And he used to say to me, you know, which, which movies did I used to watch when I was a little girl? And I said, if you didn't watch, it, if didn't watch something on TV when it was on, you didn't watch it. <laughs> Unless you got lucky enough to get a rerun, and not everything was in reruns. Yeah. And he just kind of stared at me like I had three heads. You, go to, you have to go to the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, like, what? What are you talking about? You know, what do you, ne- no Netflix? No. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like uh, analog watches, they yeah. can't tell time. Yeah, I don't wear a watch anymore either, so that's sort of weird. I wear my Nano watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I get so many compliments on that. I'm not kidding you. People will say, is, is that a watch? Or I say, no, it's a Nano. It's a Nano watch. And I show them and they're like, ooh, they're... <laughs> They're always pretty impressed by it because it looks very modern. You know, it's just yeah, that black yeah. square. And then, you know, until you turn it on. But, no, I love my Nano watch. 
So, Scott, do you have any apps that you and your daughter really like to like to use? Yes, and one thing that she loves, she loves the the astronomy apps. So I I put a whole bunch here that you can put in the show note links. And there's basically Sky Safari Universal, Starwalk and Starwalk HD. I, I like that one a lot. Star Chart Universal, Solar Walk Universal, and they and and the Night Sky Universal. And they all have their own little uh you know, differences in uh, features and specializations, I guess. Solar Walk Universal is kind of interesting because it'll actually give you details about satellites that are going around the Earth, different planets. You can kind of move around in the solar system and get more information and even some videos and some in-depth information about the object that, you, that it is that you're looking at. Whereas the other ones are more of, hey, show me what stars and what planets are visible in the night sky tonight and what constellations are they. And that's pretty cool, too. We like to do that because we'll go outside and we'll see, you know, she'll go, is that a planet or a star? And I'm like, well, that's not blinking and look how bright it is, so that's a planet. And then we'll look and see which planet it is. And that works really well. So she loves those. I have Sky Safari. Mm -hmm. And I'm opening it right now. And I've I've always looked at it but never really used it. Is this something that you're supposed to bring outside with you and does it capture the actual sky or are you comparing what's on your screen to what's up in the sky uh you can you can this one does not have it's not capturing what's on the sky it's it's it'll understand where you're located and it'll show you what's in the sky there's one of them i can't remember which one it is it might be night sky universal there's one of them that will let you kind of have a transparent hud view so you can hold the iPhone or iPad up, it will let you see through it and it'll display an overlay of, of the constellations and the planet names and stuff like that. So, oh, that would be cool. But most of these, what they'll do, and this one that you're talking about, the Sky Safari one, it'll let you look at what's in the uh, sky by time. So you can, you can zoom forward, you can zoom backwards, you can determine how fast it's going to do it. You can kind of jump around and see how the objects in the sky change for you over time. And it shows you her, your horizon. And, and so it, it's, it's basically a what's in my sky right now, where I'm at, and how does it change over time? Like what, you know, at midnight tonight, where's the moon going to be? Where's Jupiter going to be? And, th- and that's kind of what this one is good for. But yeah, they all have things like that. And most of these ones that are about your planets and your stars and your constellations, they'll let you hold it up and as you rotate around it'll show you what you know what's in the sky where i'm pointing my ipad now or my iphone now so it's kind of interesting to do that she she really likes that aspect of it and it's good for looking at the sky and then identifying objects without really having to think about it you just point where you want to look and hey there they are it's a great teaching tool yeah i love star walk i that's the one i use all the time i love it and kids love that kind of stuff they they love space she also, my daughter's an excellent reader. She just reads like crazy. And everybody that, they have a little reading program at school and everybody's like, your daughter reads so well. But one thing she's not quite as good at is her numbers. And so we have one called Quick Math Universal, Sakura Quick Math Universal. And that one's kind of fun. And it lets you choose whether you're going to do addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and how hard they're going to be. And then you can go through and work some problems. There's also an excellent one called MyScript Calculator Universal, which is a lot of fun. It's like a scratch pad where you write the number, and then you write the operator, and then you write the other number, and it comes up with the answer for you. So 
it's very cool. It's like a calculator. It's giving you the answer, but it's up to you to phrase the equation correctly to get the answer. So if you're trying to figure out what an answer to something is, you can do that, but you have to know how to write your letter, your numbers, and how to write the operators. So that's good for kids who are just starting to learn how to do math. And then books. She loves books. There's uh, Nighty Night Little Sheep HD for iPad is great. Little Fox Music Box. Kids Songs is a universal app that's really a lot of fun. Just a lot of interactivity and music in that where there's different scenes with animals and you can touch different elements to make different things happen. There's also one, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's A-U-R-Y-N-H-D, R-N-H-D, Teddy's Night for iPad. Didn't you tell me about that one? Did I tell you about that? Oh, I think I did. Yeah. Well, there's R and Ink. There's R and Ink, too. That's a watercolor app. Maybe I... Maybe we're getting no, confused. I, I, I thought it was I thought 99. You told me, I thought you told me about that. Maybe you did. Maybe it was 99 that you told me about. There, Somebody told me about this Teddy's Night for iPad, and it's a great story where you go through. Oh, no, I think I was telling you about it. We we definitely talked about this on a Pocket Size podcast, though, when yeah, we were doing so. one of our Appaloosas. And anyway, you go through, and it's a story about a girl and her teddy bear, and she gets up after her mom leaves, and, and her and the teddy bear play. But you can touch elements in the picture, for example, I think it's in the, I don't remember what room it's in, but in one of the rooms, there's a picture on the wall, a painting. Well, you can tap that, and then the kid, the child can draw whatever they want, and when they're done, that's the painting that's on the wall behind the characters. Stuff like that. It's a, it's oh, a fun. that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I love that. Where was that when I was having, having kids? I'm telling you, I'm really bummed yeah. out. I know. I mean, not that the books that we had were bad, but it was just, it was just. Well, we had to read them. Yeah. And there was no, there's not even had that interactivity. I mean, how many times can we say goodnight moon over and over and over? Well, I want to say for people oh, who are my- concerned, and this is something I always say for people who are concerned about handing your kid technology, thinking that they're always going to be playing games or they're never going to learn how to read because they're always going to have the iPad read to them or any of these other concerns. I, it, obviously, it's going to be different with different children. Every child is different. But my daughter has always regulated herself. She may do an overdose of games on the iOS devices for a while. But then she's going to go play with crafts and making things and playing with toys and playing outside. And she's always regulated. And believe me, it has not kept her from learning how to read for herself or doing any of these other things. So it's, you know, be, a, be an adult, be a parent, moderate your children if necessary. But generally speaking... I haven't seen anything negative coming from letting her use iOS devices starting at two. And the only reason we only started then was because that's when we got them. Well, the other thing about the books reading to her is I think it helps them learn how to read because a lot of them that do that, the the word is highlighted in a different color. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. helps them learn the pronunciation and to recognize the different words. One of the books that I like is The Charlie Brown Christmas that book, yep. it's if you know the story of the you know that that's on uh, at Christmas time the hour TV special Charlie Brown, it's the same thing, but it highlights the words, it plays music, it's got a lot of interactivity, a few in-app purchases which which I didn't do because everything I needed was was within the book, but it plays the music. You can play the piano like Schroeder does. The kids dance, which is my favorite part. The kids uh-huh. sing. I mean, if you love the Charlie Brown Christmas on TV. You and your, I mean, adults and kids alike will love the Charlie Brown book. Yeah. And it does read, to, it does read to you if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, we, we have that one and we also have one about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that does the same thing. You can read it or it can read to you 
And there's also one other mode, and I can't remember what it, what that mode is. But anyway, yeah, you have a choice. And it is good for smaller kids, or sometimes they just like to have it read to them. But it doesn't mean they're, you know, if anything, you're right. I think it, it helps them read. And then kids, look, kids want to do stuff by themselves. When they get to the point where they feel like, hey, this book is holding me back, they're going to want to read it for themselves. And that's what I've seen time after time is it makes her want to do it for herself, not the other way around. Suzanne, you had a couple of apps that you thought were good for kids. Yeah, I have the some of the art apps I had listed. One of, but one of them is a book. It's called um, Frida's World. And it's about uh, Frida Kahlo, who was a uh, Mexican artist. And I, of course, am a huge Frida Kahlo fan. So when um, I saw that, I thought, well, that's, you know, I buy, I think, just as many kid apps as I do adult apps. Um, but this one allows you to listen to the book in English or Frida's native tongue um, in Spanish, which I think is really neat. It's a great way for uh, children to hear Spanish because I think part of language, you know, even when I go to France, it's it's hearing it. You know, it's that constant oh, yeah. uh, listening to it. So I think this is great. It has some coloring aspects. So you read about Frida's life and you also have some pages that, you know, they can color in. I just think it's a really nice way to introduce children uh, to an artist. I think it's very well oh, done. Very cool. Yeah, it is. It was on sale, I think, for 99 cents. It hasn't been on sale since then. but Yeah, it's three ninety eight right now. It is, but, it, I mean, it looks... Yeah, that's odd, yeah. three ninety eight. Usually it's two ninety nine or three ninety nine, but... But that's a really nice yeah, app. It, it is looks a weird great. Device. You know, it's just, I love the illustrations in, in this book, too. So that's really nice. And then the other um, app that I think is really nice for adults or kids, the reason why I mentioned children with this is because it has a lot of different tools. And it's an app called Artset. They have two versions. There's one for the iPad, I think is 99 cents. And the one that it's a pocket edition, it'll work on the iPad. Uh, you just have to 2X it, you know, have to enlarge it or the iPhone and the iPod touch. But what I like about this, it's very, it's a, the most simple art app, I think, in the app store. Um, when you open up the app, they have like a little artist palette and you have all different types of colors. It goes the whole spectrum from gray and white to yellow and purple and blues and browns. And it's just, it's really nice and metallic and fluorescent colors. And then it has a brush icon and that allows you to use either oil paint, uh, a colored pencil, a wax crayon, an oil pastel, a pen, a marker, an outlining marker, and it has an eraser. And then it has, um, like a little frame in it where you can choose, you know, a new canvas and they have all different types of different papers, colored papers. And I think this is just a really nice app for kids to learn to draw. It's a, it's a great sketching app because they can use all sorts of tools. And for a dollar, I think it's oh, one yeah. of the least expensive apps. And there's not a lot of uh, difficulty. You know, they don't have to worry about, um, like with paper, that's a beautiful app, but I would with kids, they have to like learn the rewind and you know, um, you know, pinch. There's a lot of gestural stuff. This isn't. It's pretty much like a just like a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. So you just, you know, two three icons 
and then it has a redo and undo uh, icon. So very, very minimalistic and great for kids, you know, to, to mix different types of media and learn and learn about different media. I think it's I think it's a great way to spend a dollar. You know, this you is a type of app. Another dollar, well, this is a type of app that, you know, if I had children and they weren't or grand, grandchildren because I'm getting that age now, um, you know, and I we were on a trip going somewhere and to amuse them, you know, kids after a while, you know, it's are we there yet? This would be great to give them, you know, on the iPad and tell them, you know, to draw what they see out the window, you know, and they have it's very, very simple to use, which I think is great for for kids. Not no layers to worry about, nothing. So, yeah. And this is this is nice because aside from the the actual paint, the tube of paint, every single one of these tools is something that my daughter has, and they do. They love to get them all out and then start making choices. What am I going to use for this? What am I going to use for that? This is just like that. So yeah. this is very cool. And the faster the thing is, is that it doesn't have necessarily brush controls. So, but if if you tap on the screen it'll produce a small circle, you know, a small mark. Um, if the faster you go, the larger the stroke. The slower you go, the smaller the stroke. And that's something that kids learn right away. So it's definitely a nice finger painting app for them, you know. So I always look for very, apps very nice. that can introduce kids to, you know, artist music or um, drawing because I didn't have a lot of that when I was a kid and I always I always appreciate that and I appreciate you know some well-designed apps so this is pretty good it does have and certain levels of undo just to let you know that for people like me that aren't really artists this is very cool because you know the one thing about kids that you that you notice they love they love drawing they love painting they love all this stuff and they don't know that they're not artists until people start crushing their little spirits so this is the kind of thing that's awesome for them because they love it and they'll play with it and they'll be happy and they'll say, I can do this. And hopefully it gets them to, you know, not put themselves in a box, but to think of themselves as a person who can, who can do art. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think well, that's why. Very well, I'm sorry. I was very, very oh, well said, Scott, because I, I, I found that this is exactly what happened to me. I was a, a little kid and I did not get the encouragement for art. Um, my mom, my parents encouraged me, but when you're in school, people start saying it's not your forte, and you start limiting right. yourself. And these these products are wonderful for uh, opening their minds to different things. Uh, it's it's yes. just great. It's fantastic. We've been lucky with the teachers that she's had so far, and of course, she's only just starting her school career, and she has many more years to go. But yeah, the the thing is, is that schools really do. I I feel they're more subtractive than additive a lot of times. They start subtracting things away from children saying, that's not for you, that's not for you. Well, yes, it is. Yeah. And the first thing that usually goes in a school budget are the arts. You know, it's not the sports, it's usually the arts, you know, music or art class. But the other thing, there's a little secret here, too, just to let you know that, is that if you, when you um, are playing around with the um, the tools, and I think it's the paintbrush. Yes, if you if you scroll all the way up, you have a sponge, and mm-hmm. you have a tissue to blend, and you have water, and you have a couple of um, blending sticks, which are called tortillons. So, little secret uh, there, but oh, I, I think yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, I think cool. it's just great. I think it's a it's cool. a great way to hand your iPad to you know a kid and have them draw. So, I will be introducing her to this right after this podcast. And he- 
<laughs> and the other one that I had was I had a, when my I first got my iPhone 3GS, I downloaded it, and I became totally hooked because my husband and I were both playing it, and my son, and we were becoming very um, family competitive with it. It's called uh, Let's Create Pottery HD, and it is the coolest app. It really is a, just a really neat app. When you load up this app, it allows you to create pots, and you actually go and you you can color them, you can add designs, and you can do your finger is actually spinning the pot, which is really cool. So your the way that you move your finger up and down the screen is how the pot is going to look. So you know if you move it slowly and you move it out, you're going to have more of a fat pot. You can move your finger in towards the middle, and that'll be the neck. It's just, it's, it's really neat. So then when you decorate it, it goes to auction, and then you get uh, virtual money that you can buy more designs, more colors. It's, it's a really fun app. Of course, they now have um, in-app purchases with that. At the beginning, uh, you know, depending on how much you got on your auction. So they've changed it a little bit. I don't know if they still have yeah. that because I don't have it loaded anymore. But if you want to get kids introduced to um, pottery, uh, I think that's a, this is a really fun app. It really is a, she a lot of fun. This. To, she would love this. Because they've gone to the local pottery and, place and, and, and made pottery. So for her to be able to dink around with this at home, she'd love it. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And then they can upload and share their designs too. They have like a little um, huh. link that you can do that. So it's, it's, just a, it's just a fun app. You know, I always look for those different apps that have that. And if you want to introduce, a, um, you know, a, a child or a, probably an older child, maybe a younger child, but um, Ukiyo-e uh, is, a, is an app that is a printmaking app. And I didn't list this, but I'm just going to mention it because it's a woodcutting app that you work on on your um, iPad or your iPhone. And you carve. You carve into this virtual uh, piece of wood. So they can carve any design. They have, the, they have the printmaking tools along the bottom. And they can also draw on the piece of wood and then carve it out. And then they select their ink and they print it. And... They actually have a Flickr site. I think if you go to um, Ukiyo-yi, which is, oh uh, gosh, how is that spelled now? I have to think it's U-K-I-Y-O-E, I think. In Japanese, it's, there's actually, you, you, if I'm massacring it, because I know you lived in Japan, Scott, <laughs> let me know. But I think it's Ukiyo-yi. Ukiyo-yi. And um, they have a Flickr site. You can see some of the marvelous garments virtually done on their on their iPad. So but that's a nice way to introduce kids to printmaking because again it's very simple. They have some simple designs. Um, you can either design your own or you can uh, have a child like trace it onto the virtual piece of wood and and then they can carve it using the different tools. So that is that's cool. another I think a neat little app. They they have a, a like four different simple selections. So someone your daughter's age, uh, Scott, would probably enjoy that because they have like an apple, a car, a cat, and a ship. So they would load that design in. They'd carve around it with the tools, and then they would print it. And then there's a little baron, which is like um, uh, uh, it, it's a it's I, I 
trying to quickly explain it, but it's what you press on to have the ink go onto the paper, and then it's done. So that, that's just another neat okay. little app for kids. Yeah, I see that. That's cool. It's free. There's And then there's in-app purchases, it looks like. So, cool. Vicki, you have a lot of nieces and nephews. Do they have anything, any special games or books that they read on your iPad? Um, they have their own iPads. <laughs> so I don't, Probably I don't from really their know Auntie Vicky. Yeah, did they, yeah. you give it to them? <laughs> no, I did. They got their own. I, I know I really uh, don't know any kids stuff that, you know, I don't. Sorry. They're a bit older, too. They're like 11 and 9 and 11. Well, the good thing that I was thinking for kids like that is not only are there apps, but there's books. There's a whole section of Mm -hmm. the uh, bookstore for iBooks devoted just to children and teenagers. Yeah. Which is what and what's what I really like about the iBook store. And of course, I've read adult books, but I I would Scott, you might be able to answer this better than me. But I would think that with this with the younger kids books, can you still highlight and take notes? Um, I don't know because mo- the, all the books that we have purchased for Olivia, except maybe one, I guess, actually, now that I think about it, but most of the books that we've purchased for her are, are actually standalone apps and they're, you know, they're more interactive and, and kind of artsy than what the iBookstore would allow. Although, you know, you can do some pretty cool things with the iBook author for the iPad, but most of the ones that we've gotten are just standalone. So I haven't done a lot of purchasing of books for her in iBookstore. Because I thought it might be um, one of the good things about iBooks is being able to highlight and take notes so that maybe if a younger child, you know, like, like Vicki said, 11, 12 years old, like her nieces and nephews, if they have a question about something they read, they can either highlight it or take notes and, uh, you know, to be able to discuss with the parents at a future date. Okay, so it seems obvious that we could go on for another hour talking about apps and books for our kids that are age-appropriate, but I think it's time we wrap up. We want to thank Scott Wilsey of the Pocket Size Podcast for joining us today. Thank you, Scott. Well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, glad, glad that you could make it. And if you have any apps or books that you think would be age-appropriate for young children, please let us know in the in the show notes at 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out. You can also reach us on Facebook and on Twitter. Again, all that information is in the show notes. And if, Scott, people want to get in touch with you, how would they do so? I would recommend that they go to pocketsizedpodcast.com, and there they can get information about my podcast for them, that's probably the most interesting aspect about me. So I would encourage that. And that then on so that uh, on that website, well, I don't mean that as a brag about the podcast so much as uh, they probably don't want to know about me. But on that site, there's a contact page. And then that will list my Twitter accounts and, and how to get a hold of me. But uh, yeah. Okay, great. So thanks again, Scott, for joining us on Three Geeky Ladies. Thanks to the listeners for listening. And we will see you soon. Take care. Bye.
soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up what, here, Mark. What, what's going on, Kevin? You're singing the song Soft Kitty. That That's only for when somebody's sick and not feeling well. Oh, but I thought it'd be a great intro into the show. I mean, after all, people listening to us, they've got to be a little bit sick, don't they? That's true. We can't deny that. Especially if they want to hug a geek every week. I know. A little bit confusing. A little bit painful. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> but you know what? If you haven't listened to Geekiest Show Ever, simply go across to iTunes and type in Geekiest Show Ever and you can listen to Kevin and me every single week. We're sick, we're twisted, but we have fun doing it. <laughs>